Welcome to GST Junkie. This is a little bit of a podcast that myself and Ernie have decided to put together to talk about our training, talk about our lives, to share what we're learning, talk about coaching, lots of different topics. So we're going to leave it pretty raw and just sort of take it from there. But I'm going to throw the mic over to Ernie, let him introduce himself and tell us where he is right now in the world and what's going on. Hey, hey. Yeah, nice one, Stretch. I'm glad we got this organized finally. We've been, I guess, chatting a a load of a load of GST and a load of training every time we catch up anyway. So we figured why not just make it a bit more informative and almost a little bit more formal, but still with a casual setting and see see how much value we can sort of give to the the outside world, outside of our Zoom course <laughs> and whoever That's wants it. to tune in. So yeah, my name's Erde. I'm a I'm an online coach. I have been for about four or five years now. I've been training in like the gymnastics slash movement field since about 2013 currently in london on like a little break until i go to my next destination which should hopefully be to where you are in australia <laughs> so end of this month we're heading over to australia i've been on the road a little bit for the last i guess eight months or so carrying my rings with me you know doing my workouts wherever i can and however i can while i'm trying to do a bit of traveling but yeah, that's pretty much my main story at the moment where I'm doing. How about yeah. yourself? Awesome, mate. Now I'm looking forward, looking forward to your visit. It's going to be awesome to have you here. I was thinking about it the other day. It's been like five years since we've been in the same room together, mate. It's been five years. I left London Wait. in 2018. So we're now coming into 2023. It's, it's been a long time. Did, did we have one of our last training sessions in that park? I think probably in Hagston. Yeah, I think, I think so, man. Probably would have been about right. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. I recall a really pumpy, I've probably still got the, the videos, a really pumpy session where we were just doing like loads of pelican curls, muscle ups off of the basketball court. We had we had the rings hanging up on the basketball net. And, and I, th- I think I remember doing like these weird hover push-ups where you'd come down into like a push-up, lean forward and then try and float the feet. Yeah. Do you remember that? Yeah, some yeah. sort of like so bent arm planche stuff, I think. I think I've still got doms from that session. <laughs> Five years ago. That's it, mate. That's it. <laughs> Yeah, no, it's going to be epic to have you, mate. It's going to be a pretty good adventure, and hopefully, we can get back in a room and do a podcast, you know, face to face, which would be cool. Yeah, yeah, that would be good. We'll have your dog there as well. Yeah, that's it. At least it'll be on the same timeline. Like, what what is it over there now? You're nine a.m. and I'm like seven thirty p.m. That's true. I think it's like eleven hours different, ten hours difference. Yeah, nine a.m. here. Yeah, that's it, mate. It's a bit epic. I'm currently in South Australia, so I'm, I'm on the road at the moment. So yeah, just catching up with family and friends over Christmas break, really. But yeah, same as you, packing the rings, packing the P-bars, packing whatever I can fit into 23 kilos for a flight and just keeping my keeping my training going for sort of the month of January. And then I won't be home until, yeah, sort of start of February back up in Gelatin, which is northern Queensland. And it's wet season up there at the moment. So I'm glad that we've got the shed built because it's pissing down rain. <laughs> yeah, I remember you struggling with your training there last year, but you got your shed built in like basically a little GST sanctuary <laughs> over yes. the last six months or so. So that's great. Yeah, it's, it's like a man's cave. It's my escape. Yeah. Yeah, I look forward <laughs> to training on that, to be fair. That'll be a good, we'll get some good content in there. Yeah, exactly, mate, exactly. All right, I suppose we're going to talk a little bit about our topic. We thought we'd, we'd, we'd try and do a little bit of planning, but it's pretty informal. We're just going to have a bit of a chat. And as it's been, as it's January and it's the start of the year, I think everyone's talking a little bit about goals and goal setting. So we thought we'd share our, our wisdom over our own, own goals and our own goal setting. And then I suppose our experience as coaches and working with clients, helping them set goals and, you know, the sort of things, the mistakes and I suppose the good things we see out of, that come out of, you know, goal setting. So I think, you know, we're just sort of going to start a little bit with our own story. You know, so what what, a goal, what does goal setting mean to you, Eddie, or how would you talk about goal setting on, you know, a personal level? Yeah, I guess if you asked me 10 years ago, I might have given you a different story to now. You know, 10 years ago, it was, oh, let me just name all the big movements and see how many of them I can get in this year. I don't know what, what it is about the the arbitrary one-year figure a timeline that everyone sort of gives themselves to this year i'm gonna get this 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 but that's probably where i made a lot of my mistakes when i was younger i mean right now i don't actually set many like time focused goals anymore it's more along the lines of this is the move i am working towards at the moment and this is what i would would like to achieve for me personally or I'm not saying everyone should do it this way. Sometimes it'd be a little bit different with clients. Yeah, that's that's kind of where I'm at. 
with with my goal setting at this moment i like to kind of pick a few moves i know i'm not too far away from and that i know will should hopefully benefit me i'll transfer to other goals in the future too so it's not like a a one-trick pony type of goal it's more of like a it's like a big core goal which will then like branch off into other areas that i can i can reach if i if i need to or want to so something like the the handstand push-up for example or like overhead pressing strength so one of my big goals at the moment is to improve my overhead pressing strength i know as i get stronger things like handstand push-ups 90 degree handstand push-ups even planche work actually will, will come off the back of it or at least improve off of the back of that. I think I definitely made the same mistake as you and, and a lot of people probably do it too, especially in the bodyweight community. Like we see all the cool tricks and all the cool things and it's like I want a front lever, I want a back lever, I want the planche, I want the handstand push up and it's just like you have this endless list of goals and you're trying to figure out how you can fit it all into you know one week of training. And how are you going to progress with it all? And like you say, it's like, oh, by the end of the year, I want to have five handstand push-ups. And by the end of the year, I want to have a 10-second front lever. And it just becomes yeah. too much to manage. And I think, you know, you and I both probably did that at the start. We were trying to train far too much. And in reality, you know, you make a little bit of progress, but you, you don't get anywhere with those with those goals if you've got too many. How many goals do you think you've got? Like right now, you're saying, you know, you keep it to a minimum, like off the top of your head. Yeah, right now I've got three main like physical goals one of them being increasing the reps on the handstand push-ups the other one being the one-arm handstand and then one for lower body as well which isn't very gst but it's kind of in there i've got the the 140 kilo back squat so they're they're like my main top goals for this year i used to always have a pulling goal like a, a basically like a pull-in focus goal like a front lever or a one-arm chin-up and things like that but i got tendonitis a, a couple too many times from sort of rushing those goals that I've decided, you know what, I'm just going to take that one easy and allow that to come slowly if it comes. I've, I've actually only just recovered from tendonitis. So it would be, it soon, soon comes the time where I like, I set a mini goal for my chin-ups, like, but like really break them down into really small and digestible things, as opposed to giving myself like a big target that I know I will rush towards because it's something this is one of my strengths i always get there a bit quicker than everything else so you you kind of just get carried away and you end up putting on too many kilos or too much of an intensity increase each week but yeah what what are your main goals at the moment actually i don't think i've asked you for a long time yeah yeah i'll get to that in a minute mate i was just gonna say you gotta to learn to check your ego buddy <laughs> yeah pretty much i think my ego is taking a big like every year it just like gets yeah. smaller and smaller yeah it's that, it's that third bicep muscle mate it is i'm on the oh, 20 years like so many times I've just been like rushing for that one arm chin up that I'll just do something stupid. And then it's like, oh crap, I've, yeah. I've messed something up again. Yeah. And it's like, okay, I'm going to learn from my mistakes, but I think it's probably happened three or four times by this point where I say, like, okay, I, I definitely haven't learned from my mistakes. <laughs> Those that watch Ernie's, Ernie's uh, Instagram channel, you'll know he's a fan of the bicep curl. So I could ask him, is there, is there like a target we're aiming for, mate, with those biceps? Or is it like diameter or is it like weight for reps? <laughs> Yeah, mate. So I want like I want 18 inches with the, the tape measure at the midpoint of the of the upper arm in a in a flexed position. Maybe about 16 inches in a non-flexed position. That'd be nice. Keep the ladies happy, mate. <laughs> listen, listen, guys, you are obligated to have good big arms. Like if you wanna if you're gonna give someone a hug, which you should be doing. You want them to feel safe and supported. Yeah, sure. You can't just give go around giving hugs to skinny arms. It doesn't yeah. work. Yeah. I think that was one of one of Charles Poliquin's principles too, wasn't it? That you had to have 18-inch biceps, otherwise you weren't really a man or something. I don't know what he used to say, but you know, he used to always try to talk about biceps. More than likely. Yeah. He's a I'm sure he's like been carved into my subconscious somewhere and he is the true reason I am chasing the 18-inch bicep. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's it, mate. Yeah, what are my goals right now? That's a good question. I mean, I, I said I've got two different styles of training I'm working on now, or I'm keeping things a little bit separate, but also together. Like, obviously, it's the mobility stuff. For the mobility stuff right now, I'd like to just see improvements in the bridge, like getting my gymnastics bridge down to the floor. Obviously, the chest for for pancake um, is what I'm after. I'd love to get you know that that um, sort of belly and chest to thigh on a standing pike. 
just because I know how much that's going to help with a lot of the gymnastic stuff. Let's talk skin the cat. Let's talk press the handstand. You know, all that sort of stuff is going to improve if yeah. we can work on that on that mobility really. So they're probably big ones. You know, the middle split we've put on hold. Obviously, past injuries sort of that adductor. I really feel that the front splits will come as well. So it's probably they're, they're the big ones, like getting the front split down, improving the gymnastics bridge, and then just maybe chest to floor you know, pike and pancake or whatever. I see them as both very similar. You know, they're both a forward fold. So I'd put them nearly in the same basket. Yeah. You know, pretty much. So that's probably flexibility goals. Goals right now is I've never been able to get past tuck planche. So it's it's working, you know, to towards the straddle planche. But I know that's a big journey. Like, you know, you watch some of the guys who've, who've managed to achieve planche and, you know, it's been like a 12-month, two-year sort of journey so consistently training that so it'll be interesting to see how that progresses but you know i'd be happy this year if i could get like a decent advanced tuck lounge you know let's say 12 seconds in the advanced tuck you know position but yeah we'll, we'll see how that progresses what else am i working on at the moment yeah front levers as well like i've never had my advanced tuck front levers as far as i've got so the full front lever this year is something that i would like to be able to work towards I feel that I'm making progress with that over the last few months. And it's more just, and I think, you know, we've had this conversation you and me before and it'll probably come up in a future a future podcast and we talk about like the sensation, like where you feel, what's sort of happening inside the body. And the sensation in my front lever has changed a lot in the last maybe two to three months, nice. which has been a good feeling. And like it's made me think, well, I'm actually making progress with it now. It's very different to what it was in the past. The handstand push-up. I've always been shitty, pretty shitty at pushing, pushing strength. I'm very good at pulling. Like I've always had like a monster deadlift, but I've had a shit squat and I've always had, you know, good chin ups, yeah. but never been great at bench press back in the day when I used to do more of that stuff. So yeah. So the handstand push up is something that's eluded me for a while as well. So yeah, they're, they're probably, probably the main three that I'm working on, working on there. Yeah. And we'll just sort of see how it goes, man. I'm, I'm excited for this year. I'm feeling like, you know, training's in a good spot at the moment. And like, even when I'm traveling, I've been able to keep up the consistency. You know, maybe it's not full blown without weights and some of the stuff that, you know, working with mobility or some of the stuff I work on strength, it's a little bit scaled back because limited equipment, but, you know, I can keep progressing with it, which has also been pretty cool. Mm. Yeah. Nice one. See that when you say it like that, it sounds like quite a lot of goals, but technically a lot of them do sort of like branch into a couple of chains like you mentioned the, the pike and the pancake you know they they are very similar they and they do have some good crossover especially with like the hip positioning and the anterior tilt in the hip so it's like instead of it being like two very different branches that you're chasing you're actually almost chasing two very similar ones which makes it a lot easier and a lot more time efficient which is quite good and you mentioned them um, as well, like the planche and the hands. Actually, you mentioned a few. I feel like I need more goals now. I'm, I'm going to have to put some money <laughs> into this podcast. I think I missed that too. Because I got, yeah. actually, I've got my press to handstand, but there is the there is the store to press. So it's like improving improving that as well. Nice. And like you say, the mobility there, like the the chest to floor pancake, that's yeah. probably the thing that's holding me back from the store. Like I've got the strength to probably be able to press, like store to press, but because of my lack of mobility. I can't muscle my way. I can't muscle my way through it. Like, but if I could get more flexible, then I wouldn't need such great levels of strength. Like, you know, you're shortening the lever length, you're making the movement easier, and that's why that's the biggest thing that changed my focus or made me actually start to focus on flexibility goals. I was progressing nicely with a lot of my gymnastic strength stuff, but I got to a point where progress just slowed down, and the thing that was holding me back was flexibility, not strength. So it was like, well, if I don't do something about this now, if I don't start to focus on flexibility goals, I'm, I'm never going to achieve what I wanted to achieve with my strength goals. Well, unless you just get super fucking strong. <laughs> you can just like outpress all of your mobility deficits, which you do see from some guys, but it's very like, it's basically you're looking at an extra five years of training versus an extra like year to year and a half of just maximum improving your flexibility bits. So yeah, I, I definitely see what you're saying there. The, this basically the shoulder and then you said the handstand push up and then like the the advanced tuck planche or getting beyond the tuck planche they all they all like have some really nice crossover as well so you'll probably notice that like just by getting those those delts stronger and then getting that compression on the pancake tighter like you'll be getting closer to to all of those at the same time which is mm. a, again it's like a nice a nice high value type of or high like core 
goal to to sort of to have getting yeah. that that range range of, of strength stronger like it, it's quite interesting i've seen like you see you see some guys where they will train something plant related for six to eight weeks and all of a sudden they'll just go from like one variation of tuck planche to to the next variation of planche which is advanced tuck or or frog or whatever and then you have other guys i guess like us where you're training for months and it, and it just takes ages and ages to make like even an inch of progress on your on being able to open your hips in the planche position so there's definitely like some some phenotype differences between people here and and i think that can sort of like come pl- make a play as well into how you should approach these goals and, and things like that. Like, I think one one thing, this is partly why I'm working on the, the handstand push-up more with my coach this year. Uh, one of the things we said is we're just going to grow bigger shoulders. It's like, we're just going to get your shoulders stronger and bigger. So then when we do come back to the planche work, it's like, you'll just be in a better place for it. Basically, he's just saying my shoulders are too fucking small. That's it, mate. <laughs> too- <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Mate, you're going to need a new wardrobe. You're going to just be too massive. You'll have to turn sideways to walk through doors and shit. <laughs> <laughs> but if I just if I stay in somewhere like Australia and I don't need clothes, then I won't need a wardrobe. <laughs> <laughs> that's exactly you just buy tank tops, mate. Sort of. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's, I, I do actually need to get some new tank tops. I'm yeah. uh, I'm down to like three that I'll wear. And I need I need more. Louis <laughs> and a thong and a, and a pair of thongs, mate. But over there, I think you call them flip flops. So make sure you get the terminology right. Or jandals if you're from New Zealand. We call them thongs here in Australia. And they go on your feet. In the UK, they're called jandals. No, sorry, in New Zealand, they're called jandals. And in the UK, they're called flip-flops. You call flip-flops thongs? Thongs, yeah. Like the, the tight panties? Yeah, no, that's thong. <laughs> you wear a thong or you wear thongs, plural. Thongs go on your feet, mate. <laughs> right, I see. Yeah, because you couldn't wear two thongs, I guess, unless you, you wore them over each other. But yeah, yeah okay. I, I had no idea. Aussie, Aussie slang for you, mate. You'll have to get used to the, the Aussie language so you can speak Aussie English, not UK English. Yeah, I'm going to need to write it. I'm going to need to start a little list. So, yeah, I want to get large enough so that, you know, I can I can look good in a, a pair of thongs. No, it'll, be, it'll um, be a good look, mate. Can't wait to see it. Yeah. So, um, so, so what do you reckon then in terms of, you know, how, how has your goal setting for yourself changed over like the last five, ten years? Has, is anything different? Oh, mate, like it's... It's, it's interesting, isn't it? Like um, I go back and I think about what maybe like when I first started setting goals because like I grew up playing a lot of sport. So there wasn't a huge amount of goals that I set for myself in terms of sport then. Most of it was team sport. Obviously, win a grand final, whatever. But, you know, my first style of, I suppose, individual training was, you know, marathons, triathlons, all that sort of stuff. And, you know, with that, it was all, you know, you, you're monitoring time. It's all about, okay, I got to run faster, I got to cycle faster, I got to swim faster. And that's all you're looking at. You know, you're looking at the clock and you're trying to improve times and trying to improve in events and stuff like that, which is, which is good. But like one of the guys I used to train with, he was a math teacher and like he'd calculate down to the second, you know, what pace you're running and this, that, the other. And sometimes it's just, I just want to go for a run. Like, you know, you don't yeah. have to look at that data. And then, you know, moving into more of the the strength stuff, like, you know, after I, I retired from the marathon stuff and the triathlon stuff, it was just get fucking strong, you know, and that was the idea. Yeah. idea. It was like, I want to deadlift more. I want to squat more. I want to keep chasing weight. I want to, you know, everything was all about, okay, how can I get stronger? And at the time, you know, that's sort of like when I was in my 30s and it was great. That's That's what I wanted to achieve. And then that turned into CrossFit. So then with CrossFit, it was like, okay, get stronger, get fitter, get faster at, you know, particular workouts competing crossfit competitions and again you know that at the time that was sort of you know what i was interested in and and what made me tick so it was still just about okay i know if i get stronger that i'll be better in the fitness stuff like you know the stronger you are the easier it's going to be to move that weight and that was my biggest weakness a lot of the times was just like i wasn't one of the bigger guys and it was my strength that was letting me down coming from endurance yeah. stuff it's like i had the fitness levels there but i couldn't keep up with the bigger guys when the weights got heavy but, you know, give you, give me a body weight workout and, you know, that's one of my strengths. That's where I did well. I had the fitness for that. And when we look at relative strength, you know, my strength compared to my body weight was up there and a lot of the bigger guys might struggle with that. But then something switched at that time. I was just realizing my health wasn't great and, you know, the style of training I was doing wasn't supporting my lifestyle at the time because of the stress that I was under with, you know, working and running a business and 
everything else, living in London, a big city and all the crazy stuff that was going out, going on. And then I'm smashing myself in the gym every time I'm there. It just wasn't helping my health. And I knew something had to change. So it was like, well, now I'm going to just switch and I'm just going to stop doing all these crazy workouts. And my mindset around like chasing weight really changed then. I was like, well, how strong do I need to be? Like, why am I chasing this weight? And at some point, the weight is going to slow down. I'm going to hit the peak of my of my ability for my age and then it's going to drop off. This is just this natural, natural curve. But I also looked around and think, well, look at the powerlifters. You don't see many powerlifters doing heavy squats in their 50s and 60s or heavy deadlifts or heavy bench. And how broken are they? You know, these guys aren't what I'd call healthy specimens. So it's like, well, I want to find something that I can train and something that's going to be sustainable, you know, in my 50s and 60s, hopefully. And that's where, you know, I switched more into the bodyweight stuff and that's what I've been doing since then. So I know it's not specific around goals, but, you know, as my journey's gone on and where I am in my age, my training age, what interests me, all these different things have an impact on what I value. And I suppose my goals come back to my values and obviously health now is a value. You know, I've just got... First, first baby just had an eye. You know, she's three and three and a half months old. I want to be around for her as long as I possibly can. So it's like, well, is that what style of training is going to support that? You know, for me, me- mental health as well. Like, if I don't train, it, it affects me. Like, I, I need to be able to train. It's good for my mental health, and obviously, I want to be able to keep that going. So, I think looking at my values, that's how I've changed in terms of goal setting. You know, back at the time of doing marathons and triathlons, that's what I valued. I valued that endurance training. I valued that competition. I valued being what I thought was healthy back then in, in terms of endurance and fitness. When I got into CrossFit and strength training, I valued being strong. Maybe I valued looking a certain way. Maybe I valued competing, you know, all these different things that were values that back then, they're not values now. So I hope that yeah. sort of answers the question, mate. What do, what do you think about that? Yeah, I think... I think there's also that natural path of adolescence as well, isn't there? Like the younger you are, generally the more extreme you kind of want to get into your physical fitness and your training, because it is like a, it's what you attach to your to your identity a lot. Whereas now, you know, you have, like you said, you have a daughter, you no longer identify as an extreme athlete. You're more of a you know a father. You're a father. You're a homeowner. You're a like a loving partner as well as being someone who enjoys fitness. So you no longer have as many resources or as much mental resources for, you know, picking these very big and extreme sort of goals. Whereas when we look at a lot of the people that do, generally that's a lot of their lifestyle. They, they live for training, they eat for training, they sleep for training, like it, it is what they do. So they can chase the, the bigger and more extreme and more physically taxing elements. Because yeah, you went from like extreme running and then you went to like a bit more on the extreme side of strength training. I remember you had like a really strong, that wasn't you training with Derek Woodsquee? I think I remember you telling me you had like an 80 kilo a Bulgarian split squat or something like that. It was like you had some. Yeah, for five, mate, each leg. Yeah, for five. Oh, okay, not just one, for five. Oh, sorry. So what's that? Yeah, right. like, geez, it must be like close to a two plate, one RM on the, on the Bulgarian. Yeah. And then, yeah, I remember you were, you were like, at one point as well, pressing over 70 kilos above your head. I know, I think it was push press, but I'm pretty sure you cleared the 70 kilo mark. Like you, you did, and your body weight wasn't extreme back then either. Mm-hmm. But I remember you were training like twice. You'd train and you'd eat and then you'd train again. This was back in your gym in, in London. Yeah. And I, I used to do the same in my gym as well. I'd train and then I'd bring out my burger and my spinach leaves or whatever. I'd eat, have a little drink and then, or coffee and then I'd train again. But yeah, the... I know what you're saying in regards to the the health side of things didn't really suit you mm. or not didn't suit you, but it didn't align with what you were trying to do. And it probably did did have a, a major impact. Same same for myself. I remember being in, in L- London a lot in my gym and I was training like these two double sessions a day. And it was not that I wasn't making progress. I was making great progress, especially in like the hand balancing and flexibility. And then obviously I went, I only got tendonitis like for the, for the, that was when I first got tendonitis, but that really slowed down my upper body strength stuff. So I basically, I just doubled down on handstands and flexibility, but I wasn't doing anything else for my health other than training. And just, I was eating like relatively paleo, which is great, but I wasn't getting outside. I was getting like zero sunlight. I was getting, you know, not many breaks from the gym. I wasn't traveling around too much i wasn't getting outside of london too much so i'd be like commuting into london every day and it was definitely playing an effect on my health without me even realizing but because you're like you're attached to the dopamine of the training Mm. it doesn't 
it didn't matter so much because every day or every week I'd be hitting an EPR or an EPB somewhere. So it was it was almost worth it. But then when you start looking at some of the health factors, you know, when I had some like gut stuff checked, I had I also had like my mercury levels checked. They weren't as high as yours, but I had them checked, and you know they weren't in a good place and some other things. So then I ended up, you know, instead of just cause most of my income, I would spend on training. And like in terms of training, education, online coaching, things like this. But then I started to branch that off and start to spend a bit of it into health. So now I have my own nutritionist and it's like, we've been working on trying to fix a lot of these deficiencies or things with my gut, et cetera, in my brain that I haven't addressed before. And that's, you know, been a result of the lifestyle in London and probably just not looking after myself when I was at university, let's be honest, you know, eating a lot of shit and <laughs> drinking a lot of shit, <laughs> stuff like this. But having that conscious awareness there to like try and improve that. And then, yeah, so goals, basically I went from having like a lot of goals in only training to now having like less goals in training, being a bit more selective and high, picking a bit more high value goals in training and then putting some other goals into other areas of life in regards to health slash nutrition, business, trying to set myself up better for the future, relationship, and also with like traveling around the world at the moment trying to figure out where I want to live because I, I know it's definitely not in London so, <laughs> so yeah so we've had to like narrow things down I suppose a little bit to make the training goals a bit more achievable for my current phase in life then who knows like maybe in five years I want to do double sessions again I don't know maybe I'll be in a place where I, I want to do that and I'll have the environment to support that I'll have enough sunlight I'll have enough good quality food I'll have less responsibilities I don't know but yeah. Either way, I'm happy with, you know, having less goals at the moment. Yeah, yeah. I think we've covered a lot of topics, but we've been pretty broad, like about what we sort of talked about. And it's it's an interesting yeah. sort of insight when you think about it. But, you know, we're talking about training frequency. We're talking about lifestyle factors. You know, we're talking about, you know, it's the time that you've got available, like, you know, in your life and all that sort of stuff when we really start to dig into goals. You know, because we can set, you know, these yes. big goals and we can, you know, put a year time limit on it and think that it's achievable. And maybe for some people it is, but there's a lot more outside of that we've got to take into consideration. And maybe you like me, you know, I had the blinkers on when I was training, you know, the, the, the strength stuff and the CrossFit stuff. It was all about training. And maybe I supported it a little bit with nutrition, but geez, my stress management and like taking care of my gut health and taking care of like getting enough sleep and taking care of like social connection and all these other factors that contribute to performance, you know, recovery, and all that sort of stuff have an impact on the goals and your ability to achieve those goals. And that's what makes, I suppose, goal setting very individualized. And as a coach, like, you know, it's our responsibility a little bit, but it's also very much the client's responsibility to really think about, well, what other factors are happening in my life? And this goal that I'm about to set myself, is that something I'm really going to be able to achieve if I'm working, you know, nine to five every day? And if I've got a family to look after, and if I, you know, I haven't got the best diet or I don't get enough sleep or all these other things sort of going on. I'm curious yes. to know, like, you know, from your perspective now working, you know, you've been working as a coach for a long time, mate, you know, how has it changed with your clients? And like, when you do sit down to do some sort of goal setting with your clients, what does that look like? Yeah, that's a really good question. So basically I've, I've I think I mentioned it a couple of times now, like the high value goals or core goals, things like that, basically things which are transferable over to other things. These are my, these are like some of the main things that I try and push my clients towards. So I'll sit them down and I basically first I need to figure out how much time do you have to train per week? And then how much time would you like to train per week? If those two things align, then great. But I try and try and hit a middle ground there. Normally it's like if they don't have more than six hours to train per week, then I can't schedule them more than six hours of training per week. So it's like, okay, first, how much time do we have? Great. We have this amount of time. Now, what are your goals in regards to flexibility, hand balance, and strength? If hand balance is in there, it needs its own two to three hours. Like it just, it just needs that each week. You can, you can get away with doing less. It will just take a little bit more time, but it needs that time allotment. So it's like, first I need to figure out, is this person interested in handstands? If they are, they need that extra time. If they're not interested in handstands and it's just like strength and flexibility, we can almost merge those things together quite well. We can make them play off of each other. So with the strength stuff it's like okay are they looking at skill strength are they, it's, are they telling me they want plants they want front lever they want i know back felge on the rings if they do then it's like okay you need more time to train you need 
because we need to do straight arm conditioning, we need to do bent arm capacity, we need to do skill work. There's there's more branches to the goals that you're asking for. Whereas, and, and if they don't have the time, if they, let's say they don't have eight to 10 hours a week to, to train on doing all those things with flexibility, with handstands, et cetera, then what we need to do is say, okay, if you only have four or five hours a week, we need to be realistic about this. What we need to do is first build up these core these core transferable traits. So let's say you want these elements on the rings. Okay, we need your elbows to be strong. Uh, we need your pulling and pushing to be strong in these planes. Generally horizontal pushing for ring work and horizontal and overhead for pulling for ring work as well. So what we do is we, we build them up on either the weighted chin-up path or the one-arm chin-up path, which kind of whichever one suits best for that person with the equipment that they have because both of those things will transfer over to ring work and we build them up on the horizontal pushing path on the ring. So ring dips, RTO dips, ring push-ups, things like that. And, and then maybe in about a year to 18 months time, once they have the, the main building blocks there, say, okay, now we can take a look at ring skills. Do we have the, the elbow conditioning? Do we have the bicep conditioning, the deltoid, the serratus conditioning? Is it all there for you to, to approach these ring skills? If not, cool we kind of need to keep keep building on that so this is kind of how i approach my clients at the moment it's like how much time do you have also obviously where are you in relation to these goals like maybe they've come mm -hmm. to me with a really strong like there's a, a kid that came to me recently and he's been training in a, a gymnasium in i think on west coast uh, west coast us somewhere in not florida sorry in california and he's like i want a straddle planche i want a front lever I want a stronger chin up. I want a stronger squat, whatever. I'm like, okay, these are very ambitious goals. But then I look at him and he's like, oh, he's actually quite strong. He's, his shoulders work well. Everything works well. And he's got time to train. He's quite close to these already in the, in the grand scheme of things. So he's already done a lot of the preconditioning. Cool. We can kind of like just top up on that and we can kind of get closer to it. And that's kind of what's happening. Whereas then you had like another guy recently, he's in his forties. You know, he, he built to some, good weighted chin-ups and stuff over the over the years but he's in a place where he's just recovered from a bit of elbow tendonitis he's kind of like had a bit of a break from training he's he's a bit unconditioned he's got a little bit of body fat on him but he also wants these same goals he wants front lever he wants back lever he wants what the world is he said he actually said fells on the rings i'm like okay cool we can't do this in a year for you like mm. I, I probably can with a guy from the us i can probably get him there in a year but this is a very different person because not only has he got a little bit less time to train but he's got more responsibilities he's got a kid he's got a full-time job he doesn't live in a gym and he's also got some other like physical things that we need to top up on and improve his capacity and conditioning on before we can attack those skills. So I had to explain that to him and I had to sit him down and be like, look, you have a lot of ambitious skills. This is great. However, we can't get to these yet. So we're going to work on these core values that I mentioned before, like the overhead pushing and pulling, horizontal pushing and pulling. Once we get these to a certain level, then we can look at addressing these skills because you'll be in a much better place to achieve them. If that makes sense. Yeah, 100%, mate. There's nothing wrong with being a guy in your 40s, mate. No, no <laughs> <definitely> not. <laughs> I've, got, I've got a woman in her 40s and she's yeah. working on the skills, but it's yeah, because okay. we've, had, we've had two years of conditioning. You know? There you go, mate. I'm 42, 42 yeah. in Feb, just around the corner, mate. So respect your 42. elders. <laughs> I forget, you're, you're 10 years older than me, aren't you? Jeez. That's it, mate. That's it. <laughs> 10 years wiser is what we're going to say. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, 10 years wiser. <laughs> Now, like what you said there, mate, there's a lot of there's a lot of great a lot of great points. And this is like maybe a good time to introduce like the smart, smart goals, which is yep. specific, measurable, achievable, realistic, and timely. And and what you were talking about there is like, you know, this guy's come come to you with a set of goals that he wants to achieve, but really are they achievable for the state that he's in right now? Well, let's say two, the young kid that's, you know, he's he's probably yep. close to all these goals. Yeah, that is achievable for him in a year but the other guy it's not and and it's our job as coaches to be able to help people with that so they can get a realization of is this achievable and i think you said it well before you know if you want to learn to handstand you've got to be spending that two to three hours training handstands a week if you come to me and say i want to learn to handstand but i only want to handstand one day a week well then you're not going to achieve that handstand in a year and like it's being honest with that i think sometimes coaches can make a mistake that they you know, they want to support their client. They don't want to tell them no. And they fall into the trap of saying, yeah, yeah we can definitely do that. But it's great yes. to hear that, you know, you're, you're being realistic with the client and you're actually telling them what is achievable and what's not. 
And I think, you know, you're sort of setting milestones. Like if he's got these bigger goals of ring skills, you know, you're stepping back and saying, okay, well, let's get the chin up and let's get the dip or let's get the overhead press. Let's break this down into into smaller achievable tasks or milestones that we're going to be able to progress on and then see that you can get yourself prepared, physically prepared for, um, you know, that obviously that ring work or the ring skills that they want to work on. So, yeah, I think SMART goals are great. I wouldn't say that... All my goals are smart goals because like, yeah, it's like they are specific, they are measurable. Yeah, maybe they're achievable, realistic and timely, but it's 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 tough to sometimes break those things, like goals down to that. Like let's say my gymnastics bridge, I want to be able to do it on the floor. I want to see it better. Like, is yeah. that really specific? Like, you know, how would I measure the specificity of the gymnastics bridge? Like, you know, it's, it's, it can be a get your protractor. Yeah, yeah, well, that, that could be it. It could be like trying to do that. So sometimes it can be general and you still get a good idea. But like I I, I always found it difficult when clients would come to me and say, okay, I want to lose weight or I want to look better or I want to feel better. And I find that guy, clients that come to me with those very broad goals, not that I have clients like that too much anymore, but clients that come to me with those very broad goals generally don't make as good a progress as the clients that come to me with very specific goals. You know, so let's say it is planche and it is, I want to bat a tight planche for 10 seconds. To me as a coach, that's awesome because, you know, like if they're, if that's something that, that they're ready to start training, then we can really break that down and, and, and work on writing a program. It makes my job so much easier. Okay. I know what you want to work on. Let's write a program. Like if a client comes to me and says, I want to get stronger, well, what does that look like? What does that mean? I, I, like it's so broad. I just don't know. I find it difficult to write programs to those clients who don't really have, okay, well, I want to get stronger. Well, what, what does that mean? So I really push back on my clients a lot or I try to push back on them. I go, okay, give me goals. And if they can't give me goals, then I, I like to try and help them set goals. So I'll suggest to them, how about we work on this for a little while or how about we work on this for a little while? So that's been one thing that's changed a lot with my online coaching now or with you know, how I work with my clients. And yeah, the people that don't have goals, like, a, like to me, they're just so, so much harder to work with. What, what do you find? Yeah, that's interesting. So... I, I quite like the general approach sometimes. You know, when a client says, uh, they come over and they're like, hey, I just want to get stronger. I'm like, that's great. But then I like that because I I have my own standards for strength, right? And my own biases. So yeah. I say, like, oh, great. So I, basically what I've got here is a piece of Play-Doh and I can, <laughs> I can form it into whatever I want to form this into. <laughs> Whereas sometimes when someone comes to a very specific thing, it's like, oh crap, but I don't want to take you in that direction because I don't think you're suitable for that direction at the moment. <laughs> but I mean, each to their own, right? We play off our own mm. like strengths. So yeah, because I had a girl recently from, where's she from? from Singapore. And she's like, hey, I just want to get stronger. But she really had like a couple of pull-ups in the tank. I'm like, okay, nice. Let's, let's get you stronger. So I put her on like a, just the structured strength training program which was like a bit more pull-ups, a bit more push-ups, some squats and some deadlifts. And now like every week she's like, hey, I just hit another deadlift PB. And she's like, I don't know, put an extra two and a half kilo on a, on a, on a bar or she's increased the reps. But it, whatever it is, she's hit a PB and she's happy. Like every week she's like, oh, I've got a bit stronger. I've got a bit stronger. Or every month when we like reflect back. And that seems to be enough. Like, but, but she's quite self-motivated. This is the thing. Whereas sometimes you'll get a client who says, hey, like, like you probably the ones that you were mentioning, the ones that you sort of struggle with in terms of how well they do and how well they don't. Oh, I just want to get a little bit stronger. I just want to be a little bit fitter. And then great. If, if you don't give them specific targets, then sometimes they will just fall off the bandwagon because they don't really know what, why they're doing what they're doing. They're kind of mm. just doing it maybe because they just feel obliged to be doing it. Whereas... Mm. This, this specific girl from Singapore, she, I don't, I don't know, she's like, she already had the training routine in her. She already had these building, the, the base there. And I, I said, oh, there's some targets. I said, okay, cool. You can do three pull-ups now. Let's build it to six. Like, oh, you can't squat a deadlift at the moment. Let's get you to squat and deadlift your yeah. body weight. Yeah. So it's, so I, I, I was able to form that for her and she was just happy to go along with it. Yeah. Uh, but it, I guess either way, like we still set targets for her. It's just mm. me setting them and me setting the goals for this person as opposed to them selecting yeah. to the specifics. But but no, you're right. I mean, in regards to people who just like want to aimlessly just do something for the sake of doing it, I mm. think it's still better than not doing anything. Don't get me wrong. Like you can sit on the couch or you can just get up and do some, you know, 
as some physical activity which okay it might not have a physical like a set goal or it might not have like a task or whatever you're just doing it because you want to do it i think that's great like, like you do you you're a human being mm. but as a coach we do want them to, to work towards something because it makes it easier for us to measure and us the program right but at the same time we also want them to just be happy and content with what they're doing like at the end of the day it's our goal to make sure people are getting the guidance that they need and doing yeah. it safely and yeah. and being happy with their with their results yeah yeah i don't disagree yeah. I don't, don't disagree with you there and I, i'm on the same page like if a client comes to me with i want to get stronger it's not like a turn them away it's like, okay well what does that yeah. look like uh, yes. I, i'd push it back and i'd say okay is that is that like i want about to chin up 50 kilos or is that i want about to do five chin-ups like yeah. you know you put it back on them and it, it is like okay a deadlift awesome it's a great strength move if they want to if they want to learn to deadlift then okay do you know at a deadlift let's let's set a deadlift target you know your body weight's a good one to, to aim for to start off with you know squats and all that sort of stuff but it's the same direction i would take with them maybe yeah i think well what, what i'm finding and maybe you know you've got a similar experience is if we can set goals it is motivational and it is one of those things when a client achieves a goal and then they go okay now i want to do this it helps them stay on the path with their training because it is a good feeling it's a rewarding feeling we love to be successful we love to achieve something and that's the power of goals the goal gives us a sense of direction and that helps with motivation and allows us to keep moving the clients that you know that don't have goals or maybe the clients that fall off the bad wagon even if we do set them goals are the clients that like they're not motivated and they're not hitting the training sessions and they want to train but then they're not there yet and in like you know let's say science of behavior change if they're not at a stage of like i'm willing to change i'm willing to make that change then are they ready to be in the gym or is there underlying you know health issues mental issues other things going on that they need to address maybe first before they come to the idea of okay let's get in the gym and let's start training and yeah we want to support them and we want to help yeah. them but yeah it's like is that is this goal the right goal for you right now and if it's not, well, then yes. okay, what is the right goal for you right now? What part of your life do you need to be working on so that you can step in the gym and you can be motivated by training goals, strength goals, skill goals, flexibility goals, or whatever these things are? Because, you know, I think both you and I'll agree that, you know, consistency is the thing. Like, you know, if you're not yeah. rocking up to the gym and you're not doing the work, then, you know, goals can probably be be those those those, those posts that you're never going to get to and that can feel defeating or deflating or you know however you want to put it so yeah it's a, it's a fine line i feel mm. yeah i mean give, give me someone consistent and doesn't really matter we will get them to wherever they would like mm. to be at some point in time whereas you take someone who's not consistent it's like i can't i can't work with this it's just too mm. it's not structured enough and we we, we can't really get anything concrete out of your training and out of your development but yeah i do know what you're saying it, there are i think a lot of people who just feel obligated to train i think they, they see it online and they see instagram and they see whatever tiktok and people in great shape and they're like oh yeah come and do this it's going to be good for this come and do this good for that so they just feel obligated to do it but they don't really know how or where to start but like you said if they have if they've had like no real experience in the gym or with any of this there's a lot of barriers to break you know you've got to first set the time aside to do it and then you've got to go to somewhere like a new location now you're in a new environment do you vibe with that environment maybe you don't like it maybe the first gym you go to you hated it because some gyms they just have a really shitty vibe you go in and you don't like it and then that might put you off going to another gym because now you've associated all gyms with this this type of sensation so it's like what do we need to kind of address that all right can we get you to start training from home but then are you like are you too do you get distracted at home and you can't train at home because you have other things going on at home so that yeah this the sort of things that you need to sort of try and figure out i mean i haven't really worked with many people at that stage for a very long time and i think they are the hardest sort of people to work with because you almost have you almost need a psychological degree like you need a you need education in psychology and how people work and how to change behavior and traits mm -hmm. and things like this before you can even get them training. Like, yeah, okay. I know how to get someone to 10 pushups, but I don't know how to get them out of their current mindset to then actually train if they're not used to training. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, I, I, I obviously niche my coaching to quite a specific audience. Everyone who comes to me usually has a quite 
an intense background in training or at least some experience over the last two to three years guaranteed I don't get I've had one very complete newbie come to me in the last few years and he's signed up to a pure gym and kudos to him like he has no issues going to the gym three times a week and he's getting stronger every week it's great and he's getting fitter dropping some body fat as well he's doing really really well and like over the the year and a half we've been coaching together i've seen his like confidence improve but i've been very fortunate in that regard whereas he obviously wanted it enough and like already had some of the, the confidence needed to go to the gym and make it happen whereas if if, if he didn't it would be a different story. There's, I can't really hold his hand to get to the gym and work on that. So then, it's, and I don't, I don't have the qualifications to to say, okay, instead you need to do this in your life, and because you know I'm, I'm not a psychiatrist, I'm not a therapist, etc. So I try yeah. and stick to my lane as best as I can, and obviously I'll give advice in areas that I know will help. You know, if I think someone needs more sunlight, I'll tell them you need more sunlight. It's going to help with this, this, this. If I think someone needs to eat more of specific foods and less other foods i'll tell them but again it's not fully in my lane but i i like i know 100 percent i can get someone to 10 push-ups and chin-ups and whatever but the other stuff is like okay if i i can help you if I, i'll try and help you but if i can't like you might need to see someone else yeah yeah no, that's, that's a good point mate you, you covered a lot of good points there and i think that's another thing that we we haven't discussed and it's it's very valid is once you know your goals like if you've got dedicated goals of what you're working on like if i'm going to work on handstands and flexibility then i'm going to find a handstand and flexibility coach yes if i'm going to build strength it becomes a lot harder if i don't have a clear picture of what does that strength look like is that powerlifting? is that olympic weightlifting? is that body weight strength like if you've got some clarity around your goals then you can start to look for a coach that specializes in those goals. And like I say, this is your niche. So the clients that you're attracting are the people that you know want these particular goals, which is beneficial for you as a coach because you're not trying to research weight loss and you're not trying to research the best powerlifter and the best Olympic lifting and calisthenics and body weight and handstands because it's just overwhelming. I think you, know, you and I yeah. probably both made that mistake in our younger personal training careers where we try to be you know, this, the generalist. And we try to help every client with every goal, which is just stupid. The industry needs to really check itself on that, but that's a, that's a topic for another time. But when we <laughs> niche down now and we, we're really specific about who we help, it makes our lives as coach much easier. We become the specialist. You're the flexibility enhancing guy and people can come to you for that stuff because you've got the skills to be able to teach the beginner, the intermediate, and the and the advanced person, and it makes sense to be able to you know hire a coach with those specific skills. And you know, with, with technology these days, you know, you're online, I'm online. It's so much easier to choose a coach that's on the other side of the world or anywhere in the world. You don't have to go down to your local gym and just choose the best of a bad bunch potentially. But you know, if you don't have goals, well, then how do you choose the coach? Like, yeah, okay, if you can follow their Instagram and go, okay, I like what they say, I like their attitude, I yes. like what they talk about. But that doesn't necessarily make them the best coach for you and your goals. You know, I think you said it on your Instagram the other day. There's so many people out there that are posting, you know, the best three exercises to get this goal, get your pancake, get the handstand, get whatever it is. And oh, yeah. it can be quite overwhelming to sort of look at that and think, oh, is this a good coach or is this the stuff I need to be working on without guidance? Like, you know, you need someone to guide you, direct you. But then, well, what's the background of that coach? Because sometimes I see so many flexible people jumping on and doing those tutorials or videos. And it's like, have they actually ever been tight or have they actually ever helped an adult who's been tight become <laughs> flexible? Or was this person a gymnast as a kid and they've just always been flexible? So then I go, let's do these three exercises for a chest of four pancake. And the first one is a chest of four pancake. And you're like, hang on a minute. <laughs> you know, who's the audience? Oh, man. Who are they trying to help? And yeah, having a good understanding of, of that of their journey and their story can be quite powerful as well. So I think that's a benefit. One of the biggest benefits about having goals, if you're if you're not a coach and you're and you're looking for a coach, is it is it gives you that sense of direction. It helps you choose, you know, the type of coach you want to work with, who you're going to hire, who's going to be able to help you achieve those goals, and whether that's a health coach, whether that's a personal trainer, whether that's a psychologist, you know, whether it's a nutritionist, like whatever it is that you need to get you moving forward, I think starts by setting clear goals. Yeah. Like if you have an electrical issue, you don't go to a plumber, you know, and you don't just go to your mate who said something about electronics because you like him and and maybe he knows how to fix your, your stuff and 
he says he can, but he's never done it before. Yeah, yeah it's, a slippery, it's, it's, a, it's a slippery slope, I think. It's just, I think it's difficult from both angles in a sense of like it's difficult for coaches to get clarity. And I think there are great coaches out there who, you know, struggle with their social media content and, and be able to grow yeah. their business and stuff like that. And like you say, there is coaches out there that are just trying to sell a product and make money. And, you know, I think as a client, it's difficult to be able to decipher that. And maybe that's a post we can definitely, or a podcast we can do in the future and talk about that. That would be Yes, more, very but, true. Yeah, it's, 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 it is a slippery slope. I think, you know, sort of coming, swinging back around to the goal stuff, you know, it is being able to have the goals, have the sense of direction, look for the coaches in in the areas that can potentially help you. Yeah, absorb some of their content, take, you know, take on what they've got, try it out, see if it works for you, speak to some of their clients. If you can, find out who their clients are. You know, all these things can help you uncover a coach. And, you know, worst case scenario, unless they're a coach that wants to sign you up for 12 months, you know, you can obviously stick your foot in the water and, you know, get a program from them and see what you sort of think about that and see how it goes. But yeah, it is, yeah. It is, it is tricky. I think for both coaches and for both and for both clients, I think at the end of the day, most coaches, 99% of coaches want to be doing the right thing and do want to be helping their clients. Whether they have the skill set to do that, whether they're the best coach for that, you know, it's, 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 it's hard to say. But over time, you know, you and I both started somewhere. We had to build our business from being that new coach and, and you know, learn and make mistakes so that we could become better coaches. You know, Very true. It's, it's, it just takes time to be able to grow that business and to grow that skill set. Just an eye on the clock, mate, and, you know, sort of thinking about keeping the podcast, you know, within that sort of 60 minutes or close to, you know, in summary, you know, what would you say to clients that are, or people that are looking to, you know, get into the gym and, and work with, let's say, some of our speciality stuff, some of our niche stuff that we're working on, the gymnastic strength, the flexibility stuff, you know, around goals, you know, what sort of things would you like to leave them with in this podcast? If you're new, your goal setting, like let's say you're, you're not, you're not experienced in this field, your goal setting for gymnastic strength training, body weight training, flexibility handstands. Let's focus on some of the basics. So work towards your chin-ups, work towards your push-ups. And I do quite like now having some sort of overhead pushing in there as well. I think like once you can do about 10 push-ups, throw in some overhead push. But generally speaking, if you get your chin-up stronger and your push-up stronger and then your overhead push-up stronger, everything almost everything else in terms of the upper body strength stuff will come into that and if you want to if you want to play on the rings get like just just work on a bit of elbow conditioning with your top support stuff but other than that like once you have those foundations for the upper body strength stuff everything else sort of comes into place and then yeah when it comes to flexibility try and get try and get down into like a resting squat try and get palms to the floor on a pike and then you can kind of do most of the things from flexion side of things and then for the overhead stuff you know get get comfortable with your hanging and get comfortable with just like reaching above your head and opening that shoulder angle if you can the last one i guess for handstands handstands is just the the trickiest i would say just get comfortable being in a chest wall position i've seen a lot of people try and handstand who are still not comfortable in a chest wall position but they will be kicking up on the floor don't waste too much time there get comfortable in a chest wall position get comfortable falling out of that and then you have your basics for your handstands so they're they're sort of like the baseline layers that i would have for me personally based on how i coach of course everyone's going to be very different but that's what i would like to recommend people that are searching to do these type of things yeah 100 mate i like like the fact that you've got some sort of entry level sort of stuff or if you know clients haven't got that and that that's their goal that you know you're going to work with them to get chin-ups to get push-ups build strength and overhead press you know we're talking your pike flexibility getting comfortable in the squat you know all these things are you know pretty key sort of elements that are going to make us feel better and like you say before you know they're, they're transferable skills in a sense that if you can improve that stuff it's going to have great carry over to more advanced skills and building up to you know ring work and press the handstands and all the cool stuff that we want to do yeah i'm along the same lines with you i think you know it's 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 being able to have an awareness of where you're currently at and you know what you need to work on. I think we can sometimes jump ahead and, and want to do the flashy stuff, the press the handstand, let's say as an example, when we don't have a comfortable handstand or we don't have the pancake mobility to do that. So, you know, stepping back and looking at the milestones or looking at the elements that, you know, equal the goals that we want to get to is definitely something to look at and think about. 
and yeah, just enjoy the journey, embrace it. I think milestones are a great thing, breaking those big goals down into smaller achievable sort of goals, you know, and being able to work, work towards that phase by phase, you know, each training phase, having some sort of way to measure the progress and find out what's working and what's not working. I think is is also key with this stuff. You know, like you said before, some guys can progress really quickly quickly with their planche and a certain program with them with heaps of volume training twice a day, you know, can work for some people. And then for other people, it's a recipe to disaster. You know, they need to train planche less and they need to, you know, just get a little bit of exposure to that and just do it more frequently in the long term, you know, over a, a longer period. Maybe it's two years, maybe it's two and a half years, but having that vision of where you want to get to and being able to see, you know, that sort of progress is definitely something I think that's worthwhile. Find what motivates you. You know, gymnastics training is not for everyone. I think it requires patience. It's not something that you can just jump into. For a lot of us anyway, it's not something you can just jump into and see, you know, huge progress and maintain that huge progress quickly. I think if you're new to it and you get into it, you know, chin-ups and push-ups and things can come. But, you know, like Hurdy and I have been working on plans for years and we still can't do it, so... <laughs> but yeah, I gave up. Yeah, that's I stopped. It. Yeah, it stopped. But it's I'm the way come it, back to it. Yeah, it is, mate. I think it goes and it flows and, and troughs, doesn't it? I've, I've done plans before and you know fallen off that bandwagon and focused on other stuff, but now it's come back around again and, and I'm playing with it again. And yeah, I think it's not, I think, you know, we sort of talk about this too. It's not getting upset about if you fail. And I don't even see it as failure. I think a lot of my clients get really upset when they don't see the progress that they want to see. And, you know, some of them are spending a year on the wall doing handstands and, you know, it just hasn't clicked for them yet and they need longer on the wall that they get quite emotionally attached to the idea that they'll never handstand or they get upset if they fall off the wall. And I think, you know, it's part of it's part of the journey. If you're not falling, then you're not really pushing yourself in a handstand. And if, you know, if you're not training it, you're not going to progress it. So if you just keep at it and you're spending the time, the frequency, when you keep working on it, eventually it's going to click. And unfortunately, that takes longer for some people. So, yeah, I think it's just having that patience. If this is the area that you want to train, if this is the stuff that you love, just realize that it does take time. And you've got to have a lot of self-motivation, I think, with this. And you've got to be willing to put in the work is, is, is probably the things that I'd say to a lot of people. If they're getting into this GST strength training and they're getting into this you know, flexibility, flex, flexibility side of things. Yeah. Yeah. You got to be willing to put in the work. The consistency has to be like, like you said, go for those basics that we've kind of touched on. Like don't basically try not to rush past the basics. Like even just put things into perspective. Like even now I have guys who are very close to full front levers. And I think he, one of them had like over half his body weight on a weighted chin up, but like we, we still give them rows. He still has things like ring rows and ring push-ups as part of the program and it's still there being trained as the accessories later in the session what people are training as their accessories you're going to be training as like your main exercise if you, you want to get that chin up stronger you want to get that push-up stronger but yeah don't be don't worry about failing like if you if you if you don't hit your rep target for the week if you don't if you fall over in your handstand like you need to deal with that and you need to get good at dealing with that because you're not gonna be hitting all your targets every week it's just not gonna happen and as you as you as you get more experienced you will be able to adjust those targets a bit more specifically and a bit more accurately for yourself you know like let's say you, if you can do five push-ups in a session this week it doesn't mean you're going to do seven push-ups in your session next week so you're going to get better at adjusting these targets but even then even with the most precise accurate and, and the best recovery and everything's spot on, you still might not hit the target that you're expecting next week and you have to deal with that. So, so yeah, so don't stress, but do stay consistent because that's that's generally how the results come. Yeah, I think we've covered a lot, mate, and I think that's probably a good place to sort of leave it today. If people want to get in touch yeah. with you, if they've got questions about goal setting, about flexibility, about this strength training stuff, where's the best place for them to find you, man? Yeah, always happy to help. Just reach out on Instagram. My tag is learning to human, learning to human on Instagram. Yeah, and, awesome, man. And yourself, actually. Yeah, do you have one or two Instagram accounts? I can never keep up. Yeah, I've got, I've got a couple. I've got a couple going at the moment. My personal one is stretch R A Y N E R. And yeah, that's just tracking a little bit more of my personal journey, my training journey, what's happening in my life and all that sort of stuff. So yeah, if you want to follow that, you're more than welcome to and feel free to send me a message there or ask some questions. 
my company one is tstmethod.com, which is the website, or the, the sustainable training method as well. So yeah, you can jump on there and have a look. I'm trying to do more with posting client results and all that sort of stuff there. Something I haven't done a lot of in the past, but yeah, if you want to check that out, do that. And also the YouTube channel. So um, plenty of exercise demos and videos there that are just open source for everyone's access. So if you want to get started with some of this sort of stuff, feel free to check out that YouTube channel and absorb as much of the content there as you like. Awesome. Yeah. You've got tons of videos on YouTube. Like sometimes I'll be looking for an exercise, I'll type it in and then just stretch. Stretches of YouTube video videos come up from like, yes, okay. This is the one I give to my clients. Yeah. It's about, awesome. I think it's close to 2000 now, mate. So there's a lot on there. Like I'm remaking some of the Jesus. old ones because back in the day, it was, a, it was a GoPro camera that sat on the floor in the gym and the, the image quality wasn't that great. Um, I remember and, yeah, that. I've learned a lot since since first becoming a YouTuber, if I can call myself yeah. that. Yeah. So the, the, the quality of the videos are getting better. So some of the old ones need to be remade. But yeah, always learning and always wanting to share. I think that's, you know, that's something we can talk about in the future too. But it's like, it's hard to find good content out there. I struggle to find yes. content that I can share with my clients in terms of videos. So that's why I started making the YouTube channel and I could have kept it all private, but in a way I want to give back to the community and give back to, you know, people who want to learn this stuff. And I think it's, it's valuable to share that stuff. So yeah, I'm always going to keep that Excellent. as open source. Mm. It's a very noble mindset of you. All, all the mind's private on a private spreadsheet because yeah. I'm, I'm obviously greedy and trying to hold on like, hold back on that community. You, I got a paywall. You want my information? You got to pay me. Uh, each of their own, mate. Each of their own. <laughs> All right, man. Been All awesome right. to chat to you. Enjoy the rest of your time in London and we'll connect again next month and, and choose another topic. But I think that's another thing we're going to throw out there is if you've got a topic, is there, certain, is there something in particular you'd like us to talk about, talk about on the podcast related to, you know, gymnastics strength or related to gymnastics flexibility, handstands, whatever it is, you know, feel free to drop Erdy or myself a message and we'll definitely consider, you know, talking about those topics in the future. Awesome. Yeah, I look forward to doing some more podcasts with you. And yeah, next month, this time next month, I'll be in your time zone. Get so in. Awesome stuff. 